probably already know, my name is Laurel Conrad. I'm the program director at CBLPI. I'm the email girl, as I like to identify myself. We've all been emailing each other. And I'm very pleased to introduce our next panel, which is comprised of a bunch of students. And that's my job at CBLPI, is to work with students. And it's the favorite part of my job. So some of these girls are girls I've worked very closely with. And I know that they'll do a great job talking about their experiences. So first, we have Elizabeth Campbell from Virginia Tech University. And then we have um, Kathleen McGimsey from Duke University. We have Andrea Vagiano from Rutgers University. And then we have Alyssa Lopez, who's currently interning with us right now from Gettysburg College. So Elizabeth, I'll let you take it away. everyone. Um, so when I began college, I didn't really expect everything to be really one-sided, and by one-sided I mean liberal. I grew up learning to respect others' opinions and unfortunately was not having the same respect given to me by my peers and professors. As Laurel said, my name is Elizabeth Campbell and I'm a senior at Virginia Tech. And by the end of my first semester of college, I was beginning to question my values and I knew something needed to give. Luckily, early on in my second semester, I met Laura McHugh, a former CBLPI intern and the chairman of a conservative organization on my campus. From the beginning, Lauren encouraged me to attend conservative conferences, get involved with activism projects, and help advertise for speaking events. I finally felt like I wasn't such a minority after all. Right before she graduated, Lauren and our group decided to bring Kate Obenshane to campus as our speaking event for this semester. I had the opportunity of hearing Kate speak over the summer and was excited to help with the process since this was my first real hands-on experience hosting a speaker. We titled the event The Left's War on Women and advertised it as a critique of the modern, modern feminist movement, making flyers a Facebook event emailing professors and department heads to spread the word around campus. Somehow the event ended up on the campus feminist group page where the first comment was, I would love to come and fact check as well as correct misrepresentations and generally provide a more accurate portrayal of the feminist movement. Thanks for the invite. Followed by a Virginia Tech alumni commenting, I especially don't agree that a Fox News commentator is the best source for a critique of fourth wave feminism or culture surrounding healthcare. Around the same time that we were promoting our event, our campus SGA was promoting a campaign for Halloween entitled, My Culture is Not a Costume, AKA Halloween is Cultural Appropriation, so this is how we're going to take the fun out of it for you. The campaign suggested we censor what we wore for the holiday to appease to people who may think the costumes are offensive. Our group came out with a statement on why it was ridiculous campaign then hosted a funeral for Halloween mocking it, just as something lighthearted and fun, including an obituary for Halloween that we passed out with candy and a coffin filled with costumes that were deemed cultural appropriation. This ended up fueling Kate's speech, with hers spending more time discussing First Amendment violations on college campuses, political correctness, speech codes, and tying in how sex week, V-days, and the hookup culture is detrimental to women towards the end. The same girl who said she was going to come fact check the event did come with her computer to fact check Kate the entire time she spoke. 
I don't think Google was a reliable enough source for her, though. When Kate's speech ended, she asked one of the first questions, creating more of a monologue for her opinions than a question that demanded an answer. At one point, Kate asked for clarification and the girl interrupted her saying, excuse me, I am speaking now. She gave Kate a question dealing with personal encounters with people coming up and telling others that dressing as their culture was offensive, which Kate knocked down and answered eloquently, discussing how issues like this should be kept on a person-to-person -person basis. However, the girl proceeded to keep asking questions more and more. At one point, she even went into this monologue about her place of privilege, apologizing for her upper middle class, white, cisgender female background. We all needed a little clarification on what cisgender meant, including Kate. Finally, Kate had enough, as well as everyone else in the room, and told the girl that she would talk to her afterwards for as long as she wanted. But it was the other people's turns to ask questions. The girl did not stay after to talk to Kate. In fact, her and her friends were some of the first people to leave the room. The left may talk a big game, like all the women on the feminist page, and the girl fact-checking Kate did, but they never come out strong in person because they're too afraid to continue the conversation and deal with facts. Kate has taught me a few things during her speech at Tech as well as other times I have heard her speak. One of the most important is that no matter how hard things get or how much backlash you receive for having controversial beliefs, don't give up. She gives this speech about a day where she felt like giving up, but past the church that Patrick Henry gave his famous give me liberty or give me death speech in, and how she felt like all of her complaints about being tired of fighting for conservatism that day were petty compared to the bravery of the founding fathers willing to give up their lives to institute the values we work to preserve. Last semester, I kept this story close whenever I felt like giving up. After hosting an event with a highly controversial title, I felt like changing the name, backing down, and giving up on the controversy, but I didn't. And the result was a room packed with people to hear a conservative speaker and ask questions to him. I could have backed down and not come out so strong, but who knows if I would have ended up with a packed room with people trying to pay others $50 for a seat and even more watching the live stream online. It is so much more rewarding to know that you influenced others to be vocal about their conservative values on campus or that you changed a few members of the left's mind by bringing a conservative speaker to expose a different view not normally seen. At the same event, other conservatives who were not a member of our group came up to ask questions. More than the left came up to try and counter the speaker. And it was so rewarding to know that I helped influence them to be vocal about their values, all because I had my group bring in a speaker. As conservative women, we make up a very small minority on our campus, and that's even more of a reason to push back harder. Get it connected with groups like CBLPI to bring speakers to campus. Hosting an event is probably the most rewarding experience you could have as a collegiate activist. Even if you can't change the minds of every single person in the room, you might be able to give the courage to one closet conservative to be more vocal, who can go challenge the left, giving you one more person to fight the good fight. Thank you. Hi, y'all. My name is Kathleen McJimsey, and I'm a senior at Duke University. Last year, I took a Spanish-American literature course. 
a requirement for my minor in Spanish. From the beginning, it became pretty clear that my opinions were fairly unpopular, and I often found myself sparring with both my professor and my classmates during discussion about topics like economics, immigration laws, and the American dream. I chose to come to every class prepared to voice my opinions and fight for my frequently unpopular views. I will confess, however, I occasionally had to call my parents, who are partially blamed for my tenacious nature, just to prepare them for the possibility that my grade might suffer a little. But I mean, sometimes that's the price to be paid in the fight against liberal indoctrination agenda common in academia. The peak of this conflict came when my professor sent an email announcing to students that class would be held a few hours later that day with the local Duke student protesters of the month. Astounded, I reread the email, stopped in my tracks on the quad, and let my jaw fall to the ground. Immediate fury overcame me as I called my parents to warn them of yet another potential grade issue, compelling me to attend a student demonstration that in no way pertained to the subject matter of our class was just, it absolutely crossed a line with me because it was a thinly veiled purpose for the, it was for the thinly veiled purpose of promoting the constant liberal agenda present on my campus. This line inspired me to send an email in response where I explained how bizarre and inappropriate I found this to be. Now I will admit some bias I had a fairly significant interest in holding class in our normal indoor setting that day because I had been assigned by my professor to give a presentation. I wasn't really looking forward to doing that outside on the quad in 40 degree weather over the annoyingly loud chants of student protesters complaining about a random assortment of grievances to the Duke president, who, on a side note, appeared to be conceding by agreeing to shut down the administration offices and enabling them by providing free pizza, extra security, and academic amnesty. That one, that one really got me. <laughs> After replying to the professor, I tried to contact my academic dean at Duke to voice my frustration over her inappropriate actions. Ironically, <laughs> the building closed down by these fraudulent student occupationists also happened to be the building that housed all the dean offices, <laughs> so I never got through. Later that day, as class was approaching, my professor replied to my email. Though indignant, she reversed her decision and decided that class be held as usual in the classroom. She tried to justify the reason for the second change of plans as an anonymous student, me, who felt uncomfortable attending the protest. Who knows where she got this notion, because not once did I mention being uncomfortable. Unless, of course, by uncomfortable, she meant that I was not willing to be manipulated into be, being part of an infantile student protest. Word for word, I wrote, and I quote, I'm unclear as to why you would change the location of our class and force us to attend a protest that appears to have no relation to our class. It seems bizarre and inappropriate, end quote. I was not uncomfortable. I was intellectually angry and decided to take a shot at exposing this obvious academic charade. Now, I love safe spaces just as much as the next conservative, I'm sure you're all aware, <laughs> but in no way was I trying to shield myself from my peers, no matter how much I disagree, and I disagree often and abundantly. 
It is obvious my professor did not truly believe this about me or she would have replied with a genuine apology for over overstepping her bounds. Rather, she chose to demonize my reasonable request. I showed up to class prepared for the worst. I have to confess, I was a little nervous as I stepped through that door and took my seat among the 14 other students, but I was ready. Curiously, my professor never confronted me, never spoke of the incident again, and ended up giving me an A in the class. Perhaps to her credit, or perhaps for other reasons, she backed down from her attempt to politicize the academic process. Maybe this was just a small victory, but maybe this shows that confronting this partisan academic indoctrination is the real answer. All right. Okay, sorry. Hi, everyone. My name is Andrew Vasciano, and I'm a sophomore at Rutgers University. I spent the past summer being a fellow at CBLPI, and before that, I had just finished my freshman year at Rutgers, which is a very liberal school. Uh, to give you an idea, there isn't even an active conservative club on campus. College Republicans only meet twice a month, and the administration won't even let us set up a YAF chapter. I knew it was going to be challenging to me as a conservative, but I had no idea how bad things would get before I hosted Milo Yiannopoulos with my Libertarian Club. <laughs> yeah, this story again. <laughs> um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Milo, but basically he's a very flamboyant, provocative British journalist who writes for Breitbart. He's famous for being really politically incorrect, and someone in my Libertarian chapter got in touch with him and invited him to speak at Rutgers. Very generously, Milo accepted and sent us very controversial posters to spread around campus to advertise the event that made fun of trigger warnings in safe spaces. We anticipated some controversy, and we were really excited that such a pro-free speech person would be coming to campus to counter the leftism. Noam Chomsky had spoken the previous October, and last time Rutgers invited a conservative speecher, a speech, speaker, Condoleezza Rice, the students and faculty got so angry that they had to rescind her invitation. We wanted to make a statement. And we anticipated some backlash too. The day of the event was a logistical nightmare. Too many people had signed up for the event, many of them protesters, and there were over 200 people over the room limit waiting outside while it was snowing. I was one of the members whose job it was to get people in, and I had to deny a few people for not having valid tickets, and a few of them implied that I was a racist for not letting them in. <laughs> Two girls uncomfortably pressed me about my views on feminism, asking me if I knew that Milo wasn't a feminist, and they laughed at me when I said I did, in fact, know that he wasn't a feminist. We had to turn away a lot of people who actually wanted to see Milo, and the protesters just snuck in anyway. After about an hour of work, I was exhausted. 20 minutes into the lecture, I heard a voice behind me scream, this man represents hatred. I kind of just rolled my eyes and didn't turn back because um, it was happening throughout the lecture. But at a certain point, people started chanting and they didn't stop. So I turned back and I saw multiple upperclassmen smearing fake blood all over their faces and bodies and screaming. For a full five minutes, the room was just descended into chaos, and Milo was just cracking up on stage waiting for them all to stop. <laughs> they ended up leaving on their own accord, although they later insist they were kicked out, and they left behind a mess of red paint for the underpaid minority genders to clean up. 
But the protests didn't stop, they just moved outside. I was asked to videotape the protests and I was approached by the radical leftists who asked me why I was videotaping. I actually couldn't answer them because so many people came up to me at once asking for permission waivers, which you don't need on public property. And amazingly, they got really offended that I wouldn't respect their wishes after they had just vandalized an event that I worked so hard for. So I didn't say anything, I kept taping, and one girl threatened to report me if their bodies were harmed after the event. And it's like a weird phrase feminists use. And then the, I heard the phrase racist B word thrown out there. So I broke for a second and I was like, oh, did you just call me a racist B word? And the girl said yes and repeated it. And in that moment I realized that they were just insane, so I kept taping. <laughs> the event changed my campus, but in a good way. I remember taking the bus home and being genuinely frightened. As a freshman who stands at 5'1", being called hateful things by blood-covered blood upperclassmen in downtown New Brunswick at midnight <laughs> is not an experience that I enjoyed. The next day, the school newspaper wrote about it. The campus yik-yak was flooded with comments about it, and the videos got posted on YouTube to hundreds of thousands of views. It made the anti-free speech left look terrible. Some of my friends approached me and told me that I shouldn't be supporting hate speech, but there was also a lot of support. One of my TAs, whom I didn't think would be a libertarian or a conservative, congratulated me and expressed support. Even the leftists on campus were embarrassed by the protesters. So I'm glad to say that the libertarian and conservative presence at Rutgers has only gotten stronger after this. I'm planning to host Christina Hoff Summers next semester with CBLPI's help, and now I have my own conservative column in Rutgers student newspaper. My latest article was published yesterday, and it was about how one of Rutgers' most beloved alums, uh, Paul Robeson, who has a diversity center and a planned memorial named after him, was actually a Stalinist. It's already made a lot of people mad. And even though I'm a little scared to go back to campus, it's also worth it. I'm glad to advance conservatism. Thank you. Hi again, everyone. Um, so my name is Alyssa Lopez. I'm currently an intern here with CBLPI, and I'm a junior at Gettysburg College, a very small liberal arts school located in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So before I get started, I have to let you all in on something. I was a liberal up until May of last year, but I promise you it was not really my fault. Um, I was born and raised in Manhattan by my fairly liberal grandmother, and I attended an all-girls boarding school that indoctrinated us with leftist lies to shape us into radical, free-the-nipple feminists. Luckily, I sort of came out alive and wasn't brainwashed to the point where I would have participated in demonstrations like hashtag Coxknocklocks, have painted myself with, with what fake blood at a Milo Yiannopoulos event, or have demonized women for embracing their feminine side. Not only did I know how to treat others the way that I wanted to be treated, <coughs> sorry, but I was a lot more of an introverted, non-confrontational liberal, but that doesn't make it any better. So my spiritual journey to fully realizing that my beliefs aligned more with the right than they did with the left actually took a few months. I thank my boyfriend to this day because he's actually the one who managed to gauge my interest in politics to begin with. He claims to this day he knew that he had me um, and was extremely confident in his conversion abilities considering I was very open about being unable to properly debate him about various topics. I mean, I was a leftist drone. I don't really know what he expected from me. 
So at first, of course, I wasn't very willing to discuss anything with him. But after a month or so into our relationship, I began to ask questions and demanding answers about political controversies. But it was honestly when I listened to Mark Levin last year talk about the Black Lives Matter riots in Baltimore did I have my big aha moment. After that, I really got down to business. You know, I was finally on the outside looking in on what the leftist agenda was doing to this country, and I refused to let myself become an in-the-closet conservative. So I started my own website. I began reading conservative books. I attended a ton of conservative conferences, and I also worked with my boyfriend to establish a Young Americans for Freedom chapter at Gettysburg. So now that you all know my dirty little secret, um, hopefully we can move on and I can inspire you and so you can all return to your campus armed and ready for battle. So I'm sure you already know the deal of be confident, don't let the left silence you, your phone is your most powerful weapon, et cetera, et cetera. I can't count on both my hands how many times I've had people say these things to me, which is fine, but I really want to change things up a little bit. So being an active conservative is not easy. We are constantly scrutinized by the left who can't help but fabricate stories about who we are, what we believe, and our individual life experiences. The friendships we can build are limited. And maybe, you know, maybe sometimes, but maybe not all that often, it gets so vicious that we become emotionally and mentally drained. Maybe you find yourself one night visiting different university websites, registering an account, and filling out transfer applications. Just maybe you let the left win. At least, that's the position I was in approximately six months ago. The social consequences I faced hit me like a brick wall. I thought I was mentally prepared for the leftist backlash I would endure for openly expressing my conservative beliefs. But thinking about it and being told about it is very, very different from actually experiencing it. As I told all of you, I co-founded a YAF chapter with my boyfriend last year, which if none of you know, don't know, um, it's a conservative activist organization. So I served as the vice president then and I currently serve as the president. So after our big coming out announcement using posters that actually turned out to be quite controversial, we became, and I quote from one of our top haters, the most hated club on campus. So my friends from back home and at college really started to drop like flies. People were cutting me off left and right because I had magically transformed in this racist woman hater overnight. Even I started ending friendships because people's true colors began to show. And then there was Alpha Omicron Pi. Keep in mind, not all sororities are the ones that you find in the very small liberal arts schools on the East Coast. I've actually had sorority girls from other schools give me very, very puzzled looks when I explain to them my Greek life experience because it's very often that they've witnessed quite the opposite. AOPI had just joined Gettysburg's Greek life at the beginning of my sophomore year, and I was lucky enough to receive a bid. Considering at the time things were a little hectic because I had just established the AF chapter, I should have been able to predict what was going to happen within the next 24 hours. My former sisters made up lies about interactions they had had with me. They expressed concern that my political ideology would reflect the views of the entire sorority, and it was made clear that I was no longer welcome to be a part of the organization. So the two representatives from Nationals revoked my bid, even though they thought I was a wonderful girl. They kicked me out because of my conservatism. You know, I look back on this now and I really, really, really wonder why I ever let the left's treatment of me affect me to the point where I literally wanted to pack up my stuff, leave Gettysburg, and never turn back. And to make it worse, I wanted to go to a much larger school just to keep my head down and stay silent about my beliefs. As a conservative, we are told to never, never let the left do this. But I had allowed the regressive leftists on my campus to hypothetically kick me over and over again to pull me down into this deep, dark pit of negativity and hold me hostage. I had spent months developing this tunnel vision that all I could see was just this dark path of negativity. 
no friends, no happiness, no support system, absolutely nothing. When in reality, surrounding that dark, depressing path was, I hate to say it, rainbows and butterflies. So after really hitting rock bottom, having a very long talk with my boyfriend, and a number of very long showers, I crawled out of that disgusting pit hole I was in with one very important lesson. Always try to find that silver lining. For the sorority bit, it was not only that I saved my liver from complete destruction, but I saved myself a lot of money that I don't even have to begin with. I had a lot more time in my hands, so I was able to get a part-time job at a local hotel, begin writing for the College Fix, Campus Reform, and the College Conservative. I could focus on my schoolwork, apply to internships, and do a whole lot more of YAF activism. I also figured out who my real friends were. Being an active conservative is honestly a really great friend filter. I may not have, to this day, a plethora of people I can call, hang out with, whatever, but I have friends in my life who I know will stick by my side no matter what. I learned who truly valued my presence in their lives. And in all honesty, actions speak louder than words, and in my case, those who openly objectified for my beliefs but claimed they still loved and cared about me were not only big fat liars, but very hateful and toxic people to keep in my life. So they needed to go, whether it was my decision or theirs. And you know, so what if I can count my, hand, my friends using both my hands because the people I have in my life are my ride or dies, and that's really all that matters. So ladies, I leave you with this. Next time you find yourself in a pool of gross negative feelings, and that's honestly if you ever do, remember what the girl who got kicked out of sorority and lost most of her friends told you. There's a positive in every crappy situation. You just have to find it. Excellent job, ladies. Thank you so much for sharing with us all of your stories. Um, I wanna take some time to give you guys the opportunity to ask questions. Um, does anyone have a question for the girls on what it's like to be a campus activist or um, face this kind of um, like feedback from their peers? Um, so my question is for you, Elizabeth. Okay, sorry, I can't see your name tag. Um, I actually was wondering, you gave a part of your speech where you said you had to be enlightened on what like female gender, cis, sister gender, what is that? Because I don't know either. It means that you identify with your biological gender. So, so what all <laughs> transgender people should say? Like. I'm sorry. No, I just didn't know what you meant when you when you said that originally and I was just, Okay. The girl was just basically saying that she was a white woman who identified with her own gender and was a middle class person. So yeah, she was like apologizing. So can I self-identify as? <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Do you have any more questions for the girls? Thank you. Um, this question is for Alyssa. You said that you founded a YAF chapter on a campus that clearly wasn't inviting to you. I'm on a community college campus in California and there are no conservative groups. The newspaper refuses to publish conservative viewpoints. Um, and I'm wondering what that process was like for you and maybe you can give me a couple of tips myself. Honestly, 
Um, we came out with posters that said, calling all conservatives, do you enjoy hugging babies versus killing them? Hashtag anchor babies, and you're not afraid to say it, hashtag not PC. So we went hard. Um, the president at the time, my boyfriend, he's very, very bold. Um, so my word of advice to you, be brave, obviously. Um, if your campus is very left, just, just know. Um, like I, I, I know I said it's, it's very different to be told about it and experience it, um, but make sure that you, you do have a support system that you know that you do have friends and family that you can, that you can speak to. Um, and if, for that newspaper that refuses to post anything conservative, um, I actually just wrote an article about this for the college, for the college fix. Um, narc on your school. Go to the, you know, if you establish a YAF chapter, contact Emily Jashinsky and tell her like, hey, we're trying to, you know, infiltrate the school newspaper and they're refusing to do this. Get media attention because honest to God, it'll work. You're like, whatever school, whatever decision your school makes or that organization makes, they'll change once they have the media flooding in because that will grab a lot of attention from a lot of conservatives nationwide and nobody wants that negative attention. So. Elizabeth, can I ask you to piggyback off of that and talk about what, um, like how you guys got your funding back after the Bay Buchanan event? Okay. So, from what I understand, I joined my YAF chapter after we hosted Bay Buchanan and they got their funding cut because of the event, because they titled the event Alien Invasion. Um, and they, Bay was originally coming to speak about something other than immigration, and they changed it kind of last minute. There was something that was going on in current events that was related to immigration. So um, Lauren just kind of went to the media. Uh, she Well, she went to YAF and told them about the situation, and they kind of blew it up in the media. And as soon as it went out into the media, um, donors to the school, to Virginia Tech, started calling in to the office and we're like, we're not gonna donate to you guys because you're being blatantly biased. And kind of that got our funding back because they got pressured by the people who helped fund them. So blowing it up in the media is always a good idea if they're being extremely biased, but go to somebody else first. Like if you're hosting an event with CBLPI, of course, talk to them first. Do we have any more questions? So I'm on a college campus that like has college Republicans, it has Turning Point, uh, it has pretty much everything you could possibly want, but none of the organizations do anything. Like college Republicans meet maybe once a month, they usually cancel their meeting. If you go to the meeting, it's like five minutes of, so we're the college Republicans and we're just gonna sit here and now we're gonna leave. Um, so what um, would you recommend doing to like kind of like help those groups that already exist and like are controlled by like other people obviously um, to like actually like do things and be active? I can speak to that. Um, so I'm the chairman of my conservative group and I have a lot of problems with getting other people to be involved. So I love it when members come to the meetings and are like we want to do this because that helps me gauge what the members want to do and helps me like keep coming up with new things to do. So it's not me always thinking of something. So go to those meetings and say, hey, we should do this. This is a problem on our campus and work with the people who are in charge and really push them. And if they don't want to work with you, 
then start your own group because it's not worth it. They, they're obviously not trying to fight for conservative values on their campus. I can answer that too. So what I would suggest personally is to pick which group you agree with the most, whether it be, I don't know, like Network of Enlightened Women or Young Americans for Freedom or Liberty or CRs or anything, and then join the club and be an active member, I'd say is the best way. Um, even though it's controlled by other people, if you're the only active member, then obviously they're not gonna get reelected to president or whatever, so I'd say that the best way is to actually join the club and uh, make change through that. Right, and they also might not be doing things just because they feel overwhelmed and alone and like burdened with classes. So I think it's also helpful to have lunch with them and talk to them and ask them about the challenges they're facing and listen and then volunteer to help them face those challenges and put out suggestions. And I think you have to be really careful if you're not the leader that you don't come off as like you're trying to um, take over the club but just to offer support and put out some ideas to help them be more successful. Because everyone likes to be more successful and if you can help them, I bet they'd be really grateful. All right, with that, we'll wrap up the student panel. Thank you so much, guys.